Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect program. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the program, please press star, then zero on your touchtone telephone. And as a reminder, this program is being recorded. At this time, I would like to introduce your moderator for today's program, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Well, thank you, Mary, and I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect program for parents, caregivers, and professionals helping brothers and sisters of children with cancer. This is a very important call that we're doing today, and it actually is the first time in our 20 years of offering these programs to have this program. Now, today's program is a collaborative effort between Cancer Care and Super Sibs and 26 other uh, cancer organizations, and it's really because of that collaboration that we have reached so many of you on the call today. We have over 711 participants on the call today. It's a lot of people on the call today, and although you all can't see each other, you come from all over the United States. You come from large cities and small cities. You come from suburban areas as well as rural and frontier communities. And we also have international participants from Canada, Australia, Ireland, Syria, Venezuela, Malaysia, and American Samoa, so really from all over the world. And it's a really credit to each of you that you've chosen to spend the next hour with us. I'd like to turn your attention for a moment to the materials that you received from Cancer Care. In those materials, there is information about our speakers and the topics they'll be covering. And, of course, there also is information about all the different collaborating organizations and lots of resource information for you to have at the end of the program. Now, there also is an evaluation form, and I would ask you to each take a moment at the end of today's program and complete that evaluation form. When you think about it, who but each of you can best tell us the programs that you would like us to offer, the topics, your recommendations of things you'd like us to cover in the future. So please take that moment at the end and complete that evaluation form. Now, today's program is supported in part by Friends of Cancer Care, and additional support is provided by SuperSIBS with funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And we really want to thank them for their support for making this program so possible. Now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today, as well as a wonderful audience, and I want to start by introducing our first speaker today is Melanie Goldish. And Melanie, I think, is known to many of you on the call. She's the Executive Director of SuperSIBS, and I now want to turn the program over to Melanie, who's really going to set the context for today's program. Melanie? Thank you, Dr. Messner. Well, this program is really revolutionary, and it's so important because when a child is diagnosed with cancer, everyone in the family is affected, including the siblings. And personally, as the mom of a two-time cancer survivor and therefore a mom of a super sib for the last 11 years, as well as, as Dr. Mester mentioned, the executive director of super sibs, we have learned so much over the past six years from 16,000 siblings of children with cancer, their families, and the professionals who help these siblings survive this journey. And thousands of these individuals and organizations have shared their hearts and perspective. One of the things that's become very clear is that brothers and sisters of children with cancer are profoundly impacted by their sibling's diagnosis. And while some of that impact can be incredibly challenging, including post-traumatic stress and other ways that these kids um, may be negatively impacted, 
Research also shows that if these brothers and sisters are appropriately supported, they can absolutely manage through this cancer journey with greater strength and hope and even post-traumatic growth. So when a child is diagnosed with cancer, picture this in your minds, if you will. It's as if this child is, is thrust into this dark forest with scary, scratchy branches and dark shadows and, and roots that are coming up from the ground and spooky sounds. And it's, it's as if support professionals and parents and friends and the community come around that patient and, and hand that patient a flashlight and huddle together to help that child emerge from that cancer forest, so to speak. The problem is that siblings often feel left in the shadows. And if they feel unsupported, if they are not allowed to be um, welcomed into and supported in that beam of light, it's as if they're having to face these scary sounds and maneuver around these tripping roots and branches outside the beam of that flashlight. And unfortunately, many often feel this for years. But we can include siblings in this light. We can help them feel heard and validated and supported as they manage through the emotional impact of cancer in their families. So the good news, the good news is that there's so much we can learn about the impact on siblings, and there's so much we can actually do to help siblings heal and survive the cancer journey as well. So if they're supported, brothers and sisters can learn inner strength, and empathy, ability to manage in challenging times, resilience, and so much more. And in support of this important notion, the Institute of Medicine really released a report in 2007, and they indicated that patients should receive psychological and emotional support to help them cope with their sick cancer. But the beautiful thing is they also indicated that parents and each family member, including siblings, has the right and in many cases the need for that support as well. So in today's session, you're going to learn information and perspective from our wonderful leaders in sibling research and on-site clinical support. And together, we can do everything possible, including the tips and uh, information you receive today, to help siblings heal and to ensure total family healing. Thanks, Carolyn. Well, thank you very much, Melanie, for that really very warm introduction and also for really shining a light on the need for the program and for our uh, helping our siblings in, in terms of their getting through this. Our next speaker is Dr. Lori Weiner. Dr. Weiner is Director of Psychosocial Support and Research Program, Pediatric Oncology Branch, National Cancer Institute, NIH. And uh, Dr. Weiner is going to cover how siblings are affected by the pediatric cancer experience, signs to look for, determining sibling needs, and how to talk to siblings. I'm now going to turn the program over to Dr. Weiner. Thank you, Dr. Mesmer, and thank you, Melanie. One of my favorite parts of working with a child undergoing treatment for cancer is the opportunity to meet the child's siblings. I often begin the sessions by asking if they know why I wanted to meet them so badly, and their responses vary, but they go along the following themes. Because my brother's really sick. My parents aren't so sure I even understand how sick my sister is. Because I get mad a lot. I get jealous. Because I'm not doing how they think I should be doing in school. I don't want to sleep alone anymore. Because I'm worried that I will get cancer too. Because I've been sad or mad. 
And after thanking the sibling for sharing whatever it is that they told me, I then explained, I wanted to meet you because what's going on with your brother is pretty, it's pretty obvious. Everyone can see that he's lost his hair, may have lost weight, hasn't been in school. I wanted to meet you because what this is like for you is not obvious. In fact, your pain and worries are, are invisible. And I have yet to have a sibling who has not begun talking after that. And when I then ask to tell me what has been the most difficult part of all of this for you, what I often hear is, they want me to be strong, but I don't feel so strong. Or I don't like it when my mom or dad are away from home. I just want life to go back to the way it was. Everything always seems to be about my brother now. Nothing I do or say really matters. Well, not really. I know there's things that they're not telling me, but I'm not really sure I want to know everything either. Or, I think the cancer is my fault. I told my brother that I hated him and I wished he was never born. Or more commonly, we were having a fight and I kicked my sister just when the spot where her cancer was found. Perhaps you've heard some of these thoughts expressed in your own homes. The good news, as Melanie mentioned, is that positive personal and family growth often comes out of the cancer experience, too. So how do we improve the sibling's experience? Studies have shown that siblings cope better and feel less isolated when they, and have fewer behavioral problems when there's open communication with their parents. In contrast, siblings who are not informed about the illness often feel excluded and express significant anger, frustration at parents and others. We also know that families who communicate well before the death of a child tend to communicate well after the death, and this communication is correlated with how well a surviving sibling will adjust to the loss. Therefore, we highly recommend that the parents or treatment team discuss the ill child's diagnosis, treatment, and prognosis with siblings at a level they can easily understand. When appropriate, the sibling may attend family conferences. Early involvement minimizes feelings of isolation from the family and establishes an atmosphere of inclusion. The siblings also then will need to be prepared for physical changes that the sibling will undergo, possible role realignments in the family, and to be reassured that they'll be kept up to date on treatment progress. So what are some of the warning signs that the sibling is having difficulty coping? We have to remember that feelings of sadness are appropriate and normal. Of concern is excessive withdrawal, sleep disturbances, frequent complaints about body aches and pains, increased fearfulness, separation anxiety, or really significant change in appetite. I get concerned when I hear a sibling make comments about feeling that they're not important or good enough. If you see the well child is consistently putting the ill sibling's needs before his or her own, let them know it's okay not to always do so. But losing interest in previous activities, friendships, or relationships can be worrisome. On the other hand, if the sibling is incessantly demanding things for themselves, this can be a sign of insecurity, a cry for attention, or a response to inconsistent discipline. Parents should not become overindulgent no matter how guilty or exhausted they may feel because the absence of appropriate limits leads to a sense of lack of control or insecurity, particularly for those who have a lot of changes already happening in their home. Another warning sign is a drop in school performance. Disruptions in academic performance and behavior occur due to changes in routine, fatigue, worry, or conflicts in loyalty where the sibling wants to be with the child with cancer instead of at school, and that could lead to frequent absences. Parents may also be less available to help with homework or monitor school performance, but such, such difficulty should be explained to the teacher so that the child is not seen as just looking for attention. So now that we know some of the warning signs, how do we talk to siblings about the cancer experience and help them cope, cope most adaptively? Siblings must believe that their thoughts, concerns, and questions are important. 
learning, dif- learning different techniques to help your child cope with feelings of anger, anxiety, jealousy can also be useful. Let's look at anger. Most children usually don't have the insight or the skills to come home and say, Mom, I'm feeling particularly vulnerable today. Rather, they may kick the dog, scream at a sibling, fall by, fall, find fault with everyone. Our job is to let the child know that it's okay to get angry, even at a sibling who is ill. What's important is how we handle those angry feelings. Along with anger, anxiety is common. Well, siblings have more things to worry about than most of their friends. This can make them feel overwhelmed, resentful, alone. We want to try and pave a road so that you or your child can travel whenever you want to be able to talk about things that are concerning. Children benefit from having private system for letting parents know when they need to talk, and that could be a hand sign, a wink, or leaving a note just asking for private time. And when together, it's really listening that's more important than having all the answers. If your child seems to be holding a lot inside and you're not sure how to uncover what it is that's bothering him or her the most, try playing some games. One of my favorites is instead of a penny for your thought, you may go for a nickel for your thought. They make some money and you learn about some of the thoughts that are going on in their heads. Or send your well-children mail that's addressed to them by name, just letting them know how much you care and how special they are with a P.S. Here's my secret for today. Now tell me one of yours. Often anxiety manifests itself most strongly at night, and so having a bedtime routine um, is helpful. And also consider having a, making a worry box together. Each night the child can put his or her worry into the box. This acknowledges that a worry exists, whether or not they want to talk about it or not, but also that you could put the worry to sleep for the night. And when treatment requires parental absence from home, a regularly scheduled time should be arranged to talk by phone. This helps lessen separation anxiety and provides the well sibling with a sense of consistency and belonging. For children who experience anxiety most of the time, I strongly recommend um, teaching some deep breathing techniques and other relaxation techniques as these are things that parents and children can practice together. Some, some final words, although we have no published data-driven guidelines to go by when providing services to well children and families where a child is being treated for cancer. Empathy, open communication in the family, and high levels of social support have been shown to play a protective role in their short and long-term psychological adjustment. Remind the siblings that they're not alone. Many kids in their situation feel angry, jealous, guilty, afraid, or forgotten. Encouraging opportunities for support, either formally through individual or group counseling or through community agencies, school, or camping programs can be greatly beneficial. Back to you. Oh, Laura, thank you so much, uh, really, just for excellent um, presentation. And, and really, I know there will be lots of questions for you um, during the question period, um, but really for covering so many important topics um, with, with such skill. Thank you so much. Um, our next speaker is Deborah Bonberg. Deborah is Senior Social Worker, Sibling Program Coordinator. She's at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, Division of Pediatric Psychosocial Oncology. And Deborah is going to cover really practical tips to support siblings at home, at school, and in the hospital. Uh, Deborah? Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope to paint a picture of sibling support and provide tips to help with a specific focus on the hospital but it should be noted that each area of the siblings' lives affects the others. Over time, I have begun to view the psychosocial impact of having a brother or sister with cancer as an envelope that folds onto itself throughout their day. By the time the siblings are visiting the hospital, their lives have very likely already been impacted by their siblings' illness. 
To better understand the sibling experience in the hospital, I am going to speak some about home and school. Throughout my talk, I'm going to cite quotes from the siblings obtained through a variety of psychosocial group activities. There are no clearer voices than those of the siblings themselves. It's important to take into account the developmental age of the sibling when providing psychosocial support. Getting down to eye level and offering a dinosaur sticker is not going to help a teenager. Siblings say, and these are some of their quotes, they were both staying with him at the hospital and missing their jobs. When my sister had an operation, I had to go somewhere else. You get mad that your brother or sister is in the hospital. My brother hits me, then cries, and my parents think it's my fault. At school, teachers are understandably worried for the patient and often ask the sibling each day how things are going. This may or may not be what the sibling wants, and it is important to ask the sibling, do you want people to ask you how things are, or do you want a little break from that? While a parent can't promise that school will be a certain way, a phone call or email to the school can certainly help. It is important to have the school communicate with you as parents or caregivers about any changes that they observe. This could be around low energy, lack of participation, decline in academic performance, and complaints of stomach aches, malaise, and frequent trips to the nurse. Understandably, when a parent has a child with cancer, they can feel overwhelmed and worried about their other children. But it is always best to err on the side of concern and for parents, caregivers, and educators to share their observations and concerns together. Often school is the one place where their lives have not been altered, and it is a haven for the siblings for that reason. Some of the siblings said about school, I tried to be sick at school so I could stay home. It's okay, but I have to answer the same question over and over. My sister's teacher asked how she is doing, and I got to help in that class. I took a day off from school to visit her in the hospital. And from a teenager, it's hard to go on with my own activities and be at school and hang out with my friends. But we talked about it, and she wants me to do what I've been doing. Shifting to the hospital setting, for siblings, the unknown is often more difficult than the known. Siblings can feel left out and want to go to the hospital to see their sibling and spend time with their family there. To prepare the sibling for the visit, try to bring home a picture of the sibling in the hospital room, a brochure, or even a map of where the hospital is if they are not familiar with it. Explain as best you can what the sibling will look like in terms of IVs, pumps, etc., and how they may be sleeping, cranky, very excited to see them, or all of these. Try to have a small gift waiting for them in the room, but don't ask the patient to give one of their gifts away. The gift should be clearly for the sib with their name on it and should not feel like a hand-me-down. Humor can sometimes be the best tool if the sibling finds the hospital room full of balloons and gifts. To say, wow, look at all this stuff, it's a lot, don't you think? Or something of that sort helps ease the way. Often social work or child life has received donations, and they may have something special just for the siblings, so ask them. Psychosocial support may be available in the hospital or clinic. This person can help a great amount. 
Child life workers may have a section of a playroom with sibling materials. They can welcome the sibling to the floor or clinic and provide some age-appropriate activities. Social workers not only work with the patient, they provide wraparound, family-centered care. They can provide child guidance to the parents and caregivers and offer the siblings an often much-needed time alone to play or talk about this, how this major event in their lives has affected them. These professionals can also call schools and help educate the educators about sibling activities. Siblings are quoted as saying, she needed to have a cast and she got lots of presents and balloons and I didn't get anything. My sister gets everything she wants and I don't. It's good to see what's going on. There are fun things to do at the clinic. And from a teenager, it helps when my parents explain to me what's going on. Doctors hesitated telling me about my sister's condition, thinking I wouldn't be able to handle it, and that made me mad. But my parents sat with the doctors and me and explained things, and I felt better. Another key and really important aspect of the sibling hospital visit has to do with how the parent or caretaker introduces them and how the staff greets them. Possibilities are introducing the sibling by saying, I wanted to introduce you to my son and give their name. Jay is 10 years old. He's in the fourth grade and is great at reading and playing soccer. This tool works equally well with teens and even college-age siblings. For example, this is my daughter, S. Her prom was last week. Let me show you a picture of her. She loves school and is next year going to be senior or is going to college, whatever it is that she's going to be saying. This is very important as opposed to saying, I'd like you to meet Johnny's sibling. One of the most precious losses for siblings is that of time with their parent or caregiver. Taking a piece of paper and writing a gift of time on it and then writing or drawing something special that you and the sibling will do together is a touching way to communicate to them that you miss them and love them. This could be reading a favorite book, going to the playground, watching a dance recital or sporting game. It's helpful to be realistic about the time frame for this. The siblings we work with want you to know that, and these are their quotes, we love our brothers and sisters. It helps us to talk to someone special, get their own way once in a while, have your friends treat you the way they always did, Get more attention from mom and dad. Have your parents tell you that they love you too. Finally, just as it takes a team of doctors, nurses, social workers, and child life professionals to care for your child with cancer, it takes a team to care for the siblings. The support and understanding they receive now from their school, jobs, coaches, the hospital staff, and most importantly, their family will help them through this journey. Thank you, Carolyn. Well, thank you very much, Deborah, for an excellent, excellent presentation and for really uh, providing all of these helpful tips for all of the, everyone on the call. And I know we'll have questions for you during the Q&A as well. Our next speaker is Dr. Mike Amelon. And Dr. Amelon is Emeritus Professor of Pediatrics, Stanford University School of Medicine, Division of Stem Cell Transplantation, Lucille Packard Children's Hospital, Medical Director, Camp Okizo. And he's going to tell you about resources and camps for, for siblings. Dr. Amelon? 
Thank you very much, Carolyn. Um, first, I want to start off by uh, sort of describing from the physician's perspective how I uh, became aware of siblings' issues and uh, why I think that uh, programs for siblings are so important. When I was doing my training, which um, seems like not as long ago as it probably really was, but there was almost no recognition that the siblings of ill children had needs that that needed to be recognized or met. Um, there's a training video called Siblings Speak Out that was made at the uh, Denver Children's Hospital, and one of the mothers is quoted in that as saying, they're well, they're healthy, they can take care of themselves for a while. And that was really the attitude and approach that most of us in the hospital setting and most families took. We just didn't recognize that there were issues. Um, but when uh, I was finishing my fellowship, I had a patient with AML who had been in the hospital for a long time, more than two months, had been very sick, in and out of the ICU, was just getting ready to go home, needed some home support, and I was... Uh, the one who was elected to make a home visit to make sure that the family had all of the uh, support equipment and knew how to use everything that they were going to need to uh, to keep him going once he got home. He was being discharged from the hospital for the first time since his diagnosis. He had two siblings. He was 12 years old. He had an 8-year-old brother and a 10-year-old sister, and they were really excited that Finally, the family was going to be together again, um, and it just so happened that while I was there, one of the sets of grandparents who lived somewhere in the Midwest um, were coming to visit, and they hadn't seen the family since the diagnosis. In fact, they hadn't seen them uh, for almost a year. They were, lived far away and didn't get to visit very often, so this just added to the excitement of these two uh, siblings. They were bouncing off the walls, running and playing and laughing and smiling. Their faces in your mind would be the epitome of a joyful child. Um, so I'm in the back with the parents setting up the hospital bed in the living room and checking IVs and needles and medicines and things. The doorbell rings. These other two kids go running up to the front door. Again, these huge smiles on their faces. They open the door. The grandparents come in and they just kind of push right past, and they're carrying balloons and flowers and presents, and they rush to the back to fuss over the patient and ask the parents questions about how things are going. And these two kids, whose faces had been the uh, sort of the epitome of the expression of joy just a few seconds before, turned into the saddest two children that I have, I think, ever in my life seen. And nobody else in the house noticed these two kids left alone standing in that empty front hallway. And that image is still kind of burned into my brain. And I started thinking at that point that this cancer in a child who was my primary focus as a doctor, um, the illness and the uh, emotional overtones of dealing with that illness had an impact on everybody in the family, not only the patient, not only the parents, but the siblings were also significantly affected. At Hospitals at that point um, had nothing to offer, and even now there's a lot more that can be done, as was mentioned with um, childlike programs and social workers who are trained in the needs of siblings and there to help when they can, but often the SIBs are not able to come to the hospital. The families sometimes live hundreds of miles away. They have to stay in school. Um, there are a lot of practical considerations that make it difficult often for the SIBs to visit in the hospitals. They should be encouraged to when they can, but sometimes they just can't. Um, and so uh, I 
began to realize that other kinds of organizations, community-based support organizations, would have to be part of the mix. Um, and we had just been starting our oncology camp, the camping program for the children with cancer, uh, Camp Okaizu in Northern California at that time, and it seemed to me that there was an organization that could potentially provide some support um, to these brothers and sisters who were suffering as well as everyone else in their family. In a lot of ways, um, a camp program is the ideal substrate uh, to build a support program onto because it's all about creating community, and one of the most um, significant feelings that these brothers and sisters have is of being left out, of being isolated, of being alone. And so we started a siblings program at Camp Okaizu for just the siblings themselves, not that they were allowed to accompany their brother or sister who was ill to their camp, but something that was theirs for them. And we used the acronym SIBS to be special and important brothers and sisters. We started that program in 1985, and it was just amazing what those kids said to each other and to us when we brought them together. Because being with someone who has shared the experience that you're going through, I think in a lot of ways is a much more valuable form of support than even the best of the programs that we can engineer in the treatment context of a hospital. Um, and peer support is the uh, sort of the underpinning of all of the camp programs that um, that now exist in many areas around the country. Um, so what did these kids tell us about that experience? They told us that before they had gotten to the camp that they really felt like they were invisible. There was no one who understood the cancer experience from their perspective, what they were going through. Everybody they encountered, even the ones who asked them every day how things were going, mostly what they were asking was, how is your brother or how is your sister? And nobody or very few people asked them how they were doing or what was going on in their lives. Um, they felt uh, undervalued, unloved, unwanted, um, and, and really, like I said, alone. In, it's very difficult for any of us to deal with even routine sorts of day-to-day -day issues if we feel like we're doing it by ourselves. And so if we can bring people together with a shared experience to support each other um, and validate some of the things that they're feeling, that can have an incredible impact. So they came together. They met each other. They shared these feelings that other people have already talked about this morning of feeling jealous, of being angry, of feeling left out, of being afraid about what was happening, sometimes just being depressed because they didn't understand what was happening, and then feeling this overwhelming guilt because some of those negative feelings that they were having, they knew that there was a much more important thing going on, that the reason their brother or sister was getting all of the attention and the presents and the letters and balloons or whatever was because they were going through a very difficult experience, and they felt guilty about the negative feelings they had. They felt guilt about some of the things that they'd expressed. I hate my sister. I wish they uh, uh, weren't here. I think maybe I caused this. There are all kinds of things that they felt guilty about. And bringing them together, hearing them tell their stories, hearing each of them express similar kinds of feelings and thoughts and experiences, it kind of made it a much more easier thing to deal with. All of a sudden, they were not alone anymore. All of a sudden, all of those feelings that they thought they shouldn't be having, the feelings that they thought were bad feelings, were just normal responses to a bad situation. It didn't mean that they were bad people. It just meant that they were in a bad situation and that anyone in that situation would have similar kinds of thoughts and feelings. Um, and that, in and of itself, was a very powerful 
uh, tool. And before they had camp to express those feelings, they did it in lots of different ways. Sometimes things that uh, we as professionals or the parents or other family members would observe in these kids were mood changes, um, sometimes a depressed affect, although certainly not always, sometimes regressive behaviors in young kids, a child who had been toilet trained is all of a sudden wetting their pants again. Sometimes their school performance would fall off. Sometimes they would develop discipline issues. Sometimes risk-taking behaviors that could be very potentially uh, dangerous, particularly in the teenagers. And you know, when things get bad enough and there's no outlet for expression of all those negative feelings, then those are some of the kinds of ways that kids demonstrate that they need help. They are cries for help. But there's another model in there also that sometimes doesn't go recognized. Some of these siblings come across as the model child. They're getting straight A's in school. They're cleaning house. They're making dinner. Um, they're getting their younger brothers and sisters ready for school. They're trying to overcompensate in order that somebody recognizes that they have value. So just because the other children and family seem to be doing okay doesn't mean that they're not suffering and that they're not um, also in need of attention. So after they've had this opportunity to come together and share their experiences with each other, um, they uh, express very directly that feeling that they're no longer alone, they're no longer isolated, they recognize the validation of the feelings they've had, they can be relieved of those guilty feelings they've had, they feel that they've got a support group that values them, um, but they also have a much better understanding of the stresses that are going on in the family and why they've felt that way. And when they go back home, often the parents tell us, you know, I don't know what you did up there, but all of a sudden I have my child back who seemed to have been missing for a while um, because they uh, are able to engage the parents. They have a better understanding of where they're coming from. They can engage with their sibling who's ill as well because they have a better um, perspective on what they're going through. Um, and it, it definitely provides a healing for them uh, that, that can help them to move forward. And as Melanie said, even end up as stronger and better people with that post-traumatic growth that uh, now is becoming something that we look for in these situations if we can provide appropriate support. Um, so I think that camps are wonderful resources in many areas of the country now. The pediatric cancer camps have sibling programs. There are also uh, organizations like SuperSibs. Um, in many cases, the ROC programs, Recreational Opportunities for Cancer Kids, that are run by American Cancer uh, association um, chapters have sibling programs, and there may be other community organizations also in your area um, that can help out. What can parents do and caregivers directly? These things have been mentioned by other people, but just acknowledging that you recognize that they're having trouble being aware of the issues that they might have. Make yourself available, even if for just short periods of time, to spend one-on-one -on -one quality time with the siblings. Um, if you can, spend some special time together take them out to lunch or to breakfast once a week or once a month or whenever you might be able to do that. And use the opportunity of times when things happen, like when your ill child goes away to camp, spend that time to um, re-establish contact and spend some special quality time with your other kids. Carolyn, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Emily. This is an excellent, really um very full of information and very compelling presentation. Thank you, and um, I think we're going to have questions for you too uh, during the Q&A. 
Um, our last speaker before we take questions is Julia Little. Julia is an oncology social worker, and she's project coordinator for Cancer Care for Kids. And Julia is going to say um, words about the programs that we offer at Cancer Care. Julia? Thank you so much, Carolyn. It is wonderful that the needs of siblings of children with cancer are being acknowledged in this workshop. It is important to keep in mind when a child is diagnosed with cancer, the whole family is affected, particularly the siblings. And in accordance with what we've been talking about today in this workshop, it is often hard for siblings to keep up with expectations at home and school when the health of their brother or sister is in question. They need to be assured that it's okay to have feelings about the changes in their lives and that they're not forgotten just because their brother or sister has cancer. They need access to support that is defined, tailored, and structured just for them. They also should be included in the efforts to help and creatively support their brother or sister with cancer. Sometimes it can be hard for parents to know when their child needs help and what to do. Cancer Care's professional oncology social workers offer individual counseling, family counseling, and support groups to help families cope. For siblings, our therapeutic playrooms offer a chance to talk, play, and just be a kid as they too struggle with the challenges facing the family. Teens can benefit so much from an online group that lets them connect with their peers around the country who also have a brother or sister diagnosed with cancer. Currently, Cancer Care for Kids offers social work moderated support groups online and on the telephone for parents of a child with cancer and online support groups for teens. All of our help, counseling, education workshops, and referrals are free for all families. We offer financial assistance for families and people living with cancer. For more information and to use our services, please contact us by phone at 800-813-HOPE or online at www.cancercare.org. Thanks again, Carolyn. Well, thank you very much, Julia, for really explaining all the services that people can access from Cancer Care. And now we have time for questions. We actually have lots of time for questions. And I'm going to ask uh, Mary to tell everybody how to queue up for questions. And I'm going to ask Mary also to bring all of our speakers on board, open all of our lines, so that we're all here to answer everyone's questions. Mary? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press the one key on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Our first question comes from Joyce um, yes, I have a question. Um, my younger daughter is a three-time cancer survivor, and my older daughter is in her mid-20s, and she's vowed never to have children. I was wondering if any of you know of anything. Um, you know, she did really well in school, and she's um, very successful in what she does, and she has a long time, you know, um, and she's successful in every way. But um, I'm wondering if any of you know of any impact in terms of having children of their own. Uh, Dr. Warner, could you address that question? I'd be glad to try to address this question. Your older daughter um, vowed never to have children. Can you help us understand what her thinking and decision was based? You know, she loves her sister dearly, and thank God she's doing well now, but, um, you know, she doesn't want to um, go through that. So I don't know if, if they're related or not. I've been told that yeah. they might certainly be. Absolutely. Well, she has had experienced a tremendous amount of trauma three times over and has seen um, the grief and stress that it can impact on the whole family. Um, sounds like she's, a, you know, insightful and bright and successful young woman, but she may want to be able to explore this professionally um, 
sometimes there are misconceptions and sometimes there are things that people could be able to work through on a one-to-one basis. Um, it's been a lot of grief. Thank you. Um, and, uh, Dr. Amalon, would you want to add anything to that? Well, uh, I think uh, time uh, may be on your side in that. I think engaging her in discussion about what are the reasons um, to get her to think about uh, uh, what her perspective is and why it is that she's made that choice. There are a lot of other potential reasons why someone might choose not to bring a child into the world we live in today, mm-hmm. and it may not solely be related to the cancer experience. Um, but, I, you know, that clearly that's a personal and very important choice that, uh, that people make, whether to have children. And uh, if she's in her mid-20s now, that certainly might change before her biological clock ticks to, to its end. May I add something? This is Deborah speaking. Um, I, I just wanted to suggest that um, perhaps seeing um, somebody who deals with genetics would be helpful to her because I wonder if part of this could be her fear that this is something she could pass on to a child. And just to cover all the bases, it might be helpful for her to speak to a medical professional about what her particular concerns could be. No, I agree. And I, I guess uh, we, it is an interesting, very important question that you're asking in terms of just um, really, really talking about long-term issues in terms of um, so um, in terms of being your your uh, the sibling being a young adult now. And I wonder if any of our speakers have had experience working with um, some of the longer-term impact. Um, Melanie, I don't know if you Melanie, want to comment I, on that. Um, this is Melanie. I over the years we have received uh, essays and correspondence from siblings that um, may be young teens and then have become uh, young adults. And I, I just overall, the, the subject tees up for me that at different points in time, siblings are asking themselves different questions and making decisions for their own lives based on what they've experienced. So I, I guess what I just want to echo is that when a child is younger, this sibling experience is, is going to affect them in one way, to process it out uh, with some of the tips that you've heard on this call. Then it may bubble up once again in their teen years and having to make decisions about um, standing up for themselves or being empathetic with others or risky behaviors. That Again, it's a filter that they may have experienced in their life earlier, but now they're going to be making decisions based on what did I experience and learn before if they haven't really talked it through or processed it with a trusted adult or a parent or a professional. And then what we have heard as well is some uh, some young adults who have chosen to go into the medical profession because they feel that's a semblance of control. They feel that they, this is what I observed with the patients, the children, this is what I observed with siblings, and I want to be a part of this, whether as a social worker, a nurse, a doctor, child life specialist, or a researcher. And then there are others that we have heard uh, on occasion that say it's caused them to, to think if and when they may want to have their own children. So it's just an important filter to, to think about. And again, I just want to echo to maybe to close this uh, question is um, how important it is for them to be able to express and ask questions to think through their motivation on each decision at each point of their life. Our next question, please. Our next question comes from Marcella. Hello. Hi. Um, thank you for having this topic. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, my question is I, I – been a part of a, a sibling camp in San Diego at the Siblings 
and it was through the American Cancer Society, and it was a great experience. So thank you, Dr. Amwan, for, for um, you know, encouraging that opportunity. I was curious to see, I'm living now in Austin, and I'm curious to know how, how you would get a camp like that started, because I don't see there's a camp around here for, for children with cancer, but nothing for the siblings, and I would be really curious to try to see how we can get something like that started. Dr. Amwan, did you address that? Well, that's an excellent question. And I've, there is an organization called Children's Oncology Camping Association International that kind of brings together the pediatric cancer camping community. Um, and I've been advocating with that group for many years now to try to get as many of the programs as, as are able to, to add siblings um, to their list of uh, uh, clients served. Some of them just can't because they have five days at some place that they rent and it's not big enough even for their patient population. But um, you might uh, start by talking with the group that runs the camp in that area to ask if there's a way that they, you know, encourage them to add a siblings program to what they offer. Starting a camp is a, is a difficult um, uh, endeavor, especially in the economic environment right now. Um, uh, but uh, and you need the support, I think, of the professionals at the hospital, both as referral sources for families and also to provide some of the psychosocial support. There are issues that come up in the discussions that these kids have, and we always like to have uh, some of our social workers and psychologists around and available um, to, uh, to be there for these kids. Um, there, there are groups that can kind of help you through that process. Um, COCA, which is the Children's Oncology Camping Association, can offer some support if you really feel like you have the, uh, the wherewithal to put together a new program. Um, and obviously, uh, the Reach for the Sky folks and the Okaizu folks would be more than happy to help as well. Um, but uh, if you could get a group that already exists and has a site and knows how it works um, to add a sibling program, that might be an easier approach. This is Melanie from SuperSibs. I also want to suggest that um, on our website at supersibs.org, if you click on the Sib spot, and then for um, the teenage age groups, there's a section called Camp Connect, and it says Find a Camp. And so anyone on this call can click on that map and find whatever camps are in that area that do have sibling programs. So, um, for example, in Texas, um, listed on Camp Connect, there are six camps anywhere from um, El Paso, San Antonio, Fort Worth, et cetera, that perhaps um, you could work together with to steer the families and siblings to those programs and, uh, and partner with them. So go to that Camp Connect section and find sibling camps anywhere across the United States and Canada. Yes, a wonderful resource. This is wonderful to hear, then, that uh, more people are wanting to start camps. That's wonderful. One right. last thought about that is yeah. that many places, especially in this economy, can't think about new programs right now. However, they may be willing to be able to have a day, a special day, a sibling day, or expend it to maybe even a, um, you know, an overnight for siblings before committing to a whole camp and um, be able to incorporate those services into the existing program is often a great way to start. Oh, that's for, the professionals, for the professionals that are on the phone, um, we also have a section at supersibs.org where it says for you, and there's materials uh, for those that are interested in sibling programming at camps if you can't start a camp, but for a drop-off day or a pick-up day for the patients of what can be done specially. So we're happy to provide those materials as well to anyone who would like to just introduce those as Lori was suggested, uh, suggesting, we're happy to provide those materials to help out at those camps. 
Excellent. Wonderful. Our next question, please. Our next question comes from Katie. Hi. I don't know if this is appropriate to add on. based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and I actually work as a contract staff member for Camp Sunshine. And just to add on to that lady's last question, um, Lance Armstrong also has a foundation that oftentimes gives grants. So just like the previous people were saying, sometimes there's camps that are already doing work with patients with cancer, but um, could also possibly limit some time for siblings, just like they were saying, as a day, or possibly Camp Sunshine. You might can find more information on their webpage as far as how they started their process, because they do it for siblings and um, patients dealing with cancer and the parents. They all have um, separate kind of different workshops and education for them. Thank you, Kate. That's excellent. Thank you very much. Our next question, please. Our next question comes from Don. Hi, uh, this is Don. I'm with the Sibling Support Project in Seattle. Uh, we're a national program representing uh, the concerns of brothers and sisters of kids with special health, developmental, and mental health concerns. We're probably best known for Sib Shops, and Sib Shops would be yet another alternative uh, to uh, camps uh, if you wanted to meet more frequently. There are some 240 Sib Shops worldwide, and probably about 25 of those are at children's hospitals uh, around the U.S. and Canada, and uh, the SIB shops that are a children's hospital are almost always championed by the child life staff and are for SIBs of kids with various kinds of health concerns and sometimes cancer. So if that is a model that uh, anybody would like to explore, uh, I'd be happy to help in any way. Um, just Google um, Sibling Support Project or Sib Shops, and you should find me pretty easily. Our website is www.siblingsupport.org. Thanks. Thank well, thank you very much. Well, um, there, it sounds like there are a lot of resources out there, and there are many that more that need to be developed for siblings. I'm going to ask all of our speakers just to um, comment a bit more about additional tips that you would want to um, offer um, that would be helpful in terms of, um, of really helping siblings as we pull this together in terms of our program. Um, if any of you would like to add any additional comments. This is, this is Julia from Cancer Care. I, I wonder, just thinking about a previous question about the, um, the 20-something daughter who hesitated um, to have her own children and just thinking generally about siblings going through such a difficult time, I wonder if it would be helpful in communication between parents and siblings and the child with cancer to also remember to talk about how happy they are that they had the children that they had, and even though times are difficult, all of the wonderful joys of having children and how proud they are of their children and emphasize some of those positive things and the feel-good things so, um, so the children remember that they, they are a continued source of, of pride and happiness for their parents um, and just get some positive reinforcement in that way. Uh, this is uh, Mike Amelon. I, I would echo that. I think that um, uh, when life gets stressful, sometimes it's the little things that get left out. Um, and kids uh, definitely thrive with positive feedback about um, uh, how wonderful they are for their parents um, and how uh, much joy they bring into their families' lives. And uh, the SIBs don't hear that uh, very often, 
certainly during the throes of treatment, and some there are, I mean, there are probably a lot of kids in the world who don't hear that very often anyway, um, but I think that for, for these kids who are so much at risk of feeling like no one notices them, um, just take a couple of moments, a couple of times uh, uh, a day or a week or whatever you can fit in to remind them that uh, they are your children and you love them and uh, you're proud of them and uh, they bring so much joy to your life. Um, certainly that will be a message that eventually will, uh, they'll bring forward into how they plan their own lives. Along those lines, which that was excellent, along those lines, is I often recommend that the family plan a surprise sibling appreciation day um, that the child with cancer helps to plan. And it could be from the front door that morning having a poster announcing the day to the sibling's favorite meals, events occurring during the day. It doesn't have to be expensive presents. It's just about things. It's just the day for them that is caught off guard. And, um, and again, that the child with cancer also, also helps to be able to plan. It's an incredible sense of, you know, you know, I can't believe they did this for me. And siblings years down the road will tell us that that was something that was um, very meaningful to them and that they would want to do for their kids one day. That's something that they have. Also, if parents are willing to take the risk, you could ask them to make a report card on how they think you're doing um, or anything that you could be doing better and um, to be able to meet the needs of everyone in the family. And kids are usually pretty honest to be able to share what those could be. Um, and one thing that they'll, you know, siblings will always tell me when they go to the hospital um, or they meet somebody that knows about their brother or sister <clears throat> is that they're not introduced as, like, Johnny's sister. You know, oh, this is Johnny's sister, you know, instead of this is Mary. Just a little tip. Thank you. And um, this is Deborah. Just to echo what people um, have so articulately said, I think to take a moment and just give a hug and to just, if you meet them, um, you know, downstairs and bring them up to the hospital to say to somebody that knows you and your family, I want to introduce you to Susie. I know that you know about her because I talk about her so much of the time. I think things like that help the siblings know that even if they're not with a parent or caretaker all the time, they're in their thoughts. And that also carries um, a lot of weight for them. And sometimes, you know, things happen. You know, th these kids have cancer, and they can be very ill. And even saying, you know, I'm really sorry. I know we had planned this today, and I'm very sorry also goes a really, really long way. And finally, I just want to say that I hope for everybody who has a family member who has cancer and siblings are involved to not be too hard on yourselves and not be too guilty. We know that you're being on the call is in and of itself a tremendous testament to how you feel about the other children in your family. And you can do what you can do, and that's the best. So please, you know, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. Deborah, that's such an important message on, because actually we, um, I, the call is focused, of course, on helping brothers and sisters of children with cancer, but we know that it's difficult to be a parent in right. general. And so I wondered if all of our speakers could comment on just support for the parents on the call as well as we conclude the call. I think it's a very important message when a, a child sees that you're willing to take the time to be able to take care of yourself because it gives them permission to be able to take care of themselves as well. As it is um, permission if a child sees a parent cry or be frustrated and be able to talk about that later. Um, they've made an excellent point, and um, being here is 
um, and taking the time to be able to explore this is so incredibly important. And um, it's just a great testament for how much you care. But having to balance all the needs of everyone in the family and a home and and all the medical stuff is often so overwhelming. Um, any little effort that you do is um, going to be appreciated in the long run. I think the important thing that's come up in so many different ways on this call is that it's uh, as, as Don, who spoke up during question and answer from Sib Shops, this is about total family healing. And you can't remove the patient from the parents, from the siblings. The whole family operates as a unit getting through the cancer journey together. And unfortunately, this is such a big subject, but there's only so much we can get through in a one-hour call. But what we've tried to do is highlight main concepts and tips that parents and the professionals can use right away. Um, you've heard about a number of free and um, easy-to-use resources, as well as just tips that can happen throughout the day in a second or a moment. We hope, too, that you'll use uh, the many, many sibling support resources online that not only have we created at SuperSibs, but the professionals on this call and around the world actually have provided to us to share further. So you can find them at supersibs.org. There's the section that I mentioned earlier called the Sib Spot, and that has separate sections for siblings by age group. So teenagers 16 to 19 can find things that are appropriate for their own age, as well as a 4- to 7-year-old, for example, with their parents. Those materials are updated each month, and the information not only is prepared by professionals that are age-appropriate for those kids, as well as the Camp Connect maps for teenagers and young kids, but also there's letters and pictures and drawings and artwork and artistic expressions that were created by siblings for siblings to help encourage them and to cope and to try and squeeze some sort of beauty and learning out of this life experience as well. So that's at the Sib Spot. And then also online there's a section at uh, supersibs.org called For You. And if you click on your area, whether you're a parent or teacher or professional, there's forms that can be used. Um, as our speakers today used the voices and quotes from siblings, there are quotes for siblings talking about things that their parents did that really helped them, as well as things that they wish parents would do or teachers would do or professionals in the hospital. There's also uh, research tips and wonderful resources that you can download and use anytime, any day at home or the hospital or at school. So again, that's online at For You. And a few last tips is that, as was said, mostly siblings want time and attention with their parents. And as as a mom who's gone through this as well, we I know we're, we're doing all that we can with more than octopus arms to try to provide that. But given the circumstances, it's often difficult. So as was said, siblings want to feel heard. They want to know that their feelings are valid and that they're not alone. And as one sibling who received that support from his family, his parents, as well as um, the hospital professionals and his school and his church, he said, thank you so much for helping me out of what felt like a dark tunnel with no hole that this support broke through the hole. It shined a light. It helped me find myself my self-esteem, my strength, and my life. So even if we just each weave small, these small sibling support acknowledgements, 
as well as sibling programs if you're able to at your hospital or, or the camp or the sib shops, et cetera. But even the smallest things can be woven together, like asking how the siblings are doing and then listening or what questions they have or providing them with therapy support or speaking with the teachers at school to help create an environment where they're supported. Then we as the parents and the social workers, nurses, child life specialists, the cancer organizations, we can make sure these siblings don't feel left in the shadows anymore. And rather we can help these vulnerable kids and their teens face the future with strength and courage and hope and really ensure total family healing. Well, I want to thank you, Melanie, for actually wrapping up the call. I want to thank you very much for that. I want to thank all of our speakers who really were just really outstanding, I have to say. I'm just an outstanding group of speakers. I want to also thank all of you who have been listening on the call today and have asked such excellent questions, very thoughtful questions, um, and also all of you who have been listening as well. I do want to remind all of you that this is a one-hour education program and that we recognize, I know Melly and I in planning this program recognized that it is one-hour program and that in planning a program like this, we realize that you have many needs that go far beyond the scope of a one-hour program. So with that in mind, I do again want to remind you that there are so many resources for you. Perhaps there are times when you feel like there aren't any, but you have, of course, super SIBs and Cancer Care and all the other 26 organizations that we partnered with as resources for you to call upon. Perhaps most importantly, as we conclude our program today, I would not want anyone to feel that you're alone in coping, um, in trying to handle things, um, in terms of helping brothers and sisters of children with cancer, in terms of getting support for yourself as a parent. Um, I want you to know that there are all these services available, and they are free, and they're here for you. Um, I want to actually uh, thank all of you for participating today, and I want to uh, suggest that you do take advantage of all these services. Those of you who ask questions, please do feel free to call us with your backup questions. You may have other questions to ask us. And some of you who didn't get to ask a question, I know there are some of you in queue that want to ask questions, please just go ahead and call us, and we'll be sure to answer your questions. I want to thank you all for participating today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This inclusive program, you may disconnect and have a wonderful day.